Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're with us for this third installment in our series entitled Speak Life, because there's a bullet, there's an insert inside your bulletin that'll tell you where we're going today. And the point one on there is that we can choose, we can choose to speak life or speak death. And that's true. Uh, according to Proverbs 18:21, which is kind of the verse for this whole series, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. John, don't you think you're being a little overdramatic on that? It's like, no. I mean, sometimes we can bring uh, life to a relationship or death to a relationship just by the words we choose. I'll never forget years ago, the first ministry I was involved with was a ministry, an outreach ministry to high school kids called Young Life. And Debbie and I had moved to Houston. I was working for this organization. A big part of it, I was 25 at the time as an outreach to teenagers. And a big part of the job was just hanging out with kids. And so part of my job literally would be to go to a, a community center or other places and play basketball with kids in order to get to know them. Kids that didn't, weren't involved in church anywhere. And so on one of these days where I'd gone out and played basketball with kids, I came back to my office. Our office was inside of an office complex, a pretty nice office building. And I was riding up in the elevator, and there was a fella next to me uh, on the elevator sharing the ride uh, who was in a pinstripe suit, and he was riding in the elevator. He saw me get on and stuff, and I was kind of hot and sweaty and things. He goes, you office here? And I went, yeah. And he goes, well, look, you're young, so let me give you a pointer. You want to get ahead in this life? you got to dress for success. You're never going to make it in this world, okay? <laughs> you know, showing up at your office like that. And I went, thanks. You know, and I get off and other things, and I don't pay attention to where he's going. And, and uh, apparently he went and washed his hands or something, and because it was just a couple of minutes later, he shows up in my office. And he's a copy machine salesman, and he had been contacted by office because we needed a new copy machine. And so he goes up to the, my secretary who's at the front desk there, and he goes, can I see who's in charge of the office? And she said yes, and she calls him up there. So I come around the corner, and there's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I came in here to sell you a copy machine, and I don't think I'm going to have much success today. And I go, yeah, not likely, not likely. <laughs> words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. He poisoned that deal by a careless word. Hey, listen to what James says about this. We can speak death and we don't control our tongues. Listen to what James 3 says. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is like a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it prays our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Man, that's true. And you know what? If it costs you a sale, that's one thing. But think about it as Christians, if it costs us the opportunity to talk to somebody about Christ. That was James 3. I read, listen to James 1. Now, if anyone considers himself religious and yet doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. In the margin, write three questions. Before I speak, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? 
I mean, think if we just asked ourselves this, because that guy in the elevator would have asked that. He didn't know who I was. I mean, it might have been true that I was looking pretty rough, but was it necessary or kind? No. But think about you and me. If I have a friend that I want to introduce to Jesus, why are they going to listen to me if I've been rude to them? Why do they care what I know about the Lord if they know I don't care who they are? And if all this makes sense where we're going right now, then God's got us at a good place to listen about the importance of our speech and speaking life when it comes to introducing others to Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, you have important things to talk to us about today from your word. And Lord, I want to speak life, not death. I don't want to insult people. I don't want to be foolish with my speech. I don't want to close doors for people to hear the best news ever simply because my behavior was out of line or my tongue was wagging. Mm. If you would like the Lord to speak to you a little bit about speaking life, especially with regard to your faith, and say, Lord, I don't want my religion to be worthless. I'm going to speak life and control my tongue. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we can speak life or death. We speak death and we don't control our tongues. Point three, we can speak life by gospeling. You're saying we're supposed to gossip? I didn't say gossiping. That's speaking death. I said gospeling. And if you're going, John, that's not even a word. Well, it's, it's not a word like it used to be. It's obsolete. Gospeling is, but it was a form of speech at one time. It just means instructing people in the gospel. Instructing others in the gospel. That's what gospeling meant. It's interesting to me that it's become obsolete. Maybe after today, as we talk about this, we put this into practice, maybe the, all of us here at Centerpoint, we can bring this back into vogue. Hey, what are those Centerpoint people doing? They're gospeling over there. A bunch of gospelers. I would love that. I mean, think of gospel was a verb. I mean, it was at one time. People talked about the good news about Jesus so much that that became a verb. And this was a present participle. And now I've just lost half of you. Okay, anyway, <laughs> don't go there. Okay, but the idea is, is that if I'm going to be gospeling, oh, man, that's making sure that I tell people good news about Jesus. In fact, three dimensions of gospeling I'm going to give you this morning. First is that the gospeling means telling others the good news that no matter who we are or what we've done, Jesus has made it possible to have a personal relationship with God. I had some spontaneous amens going on in here, and that is such good news. Let me read that one more time, and I want you all to say amen really loud. Gospeling means telling others the good news that no matter who we are or what we've done, Jesus has made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with God. Amen. That's good news. Now, if I'm going to gospel that to other people, if I'm going to tell other people the good news, I first of all have to make sure that they understand where they are. So I've got to start with the bad news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is that everyone has sinned and we all, shall, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, any super spiritual person that you or I would consider super spiritual all fall a million miles short. None of us can stand before God. 
if every careless word, if every wicked thought, if every promise we never fulfilled, didn't follow through on, if all that was added up, well, how, how long would that list be? How are we going to stand before God? I mean, if we're going to weigh it out, all of our righteous deeds versus everything we've ever said or done that's wrong, well, we're all a bunch of filthy, rotten sinners. And the Bible says, yes. And I've talked to some people, and they go, well, at least we're all in it together. I mean, you know, know, that's okay. No, because there's more. The wages of sin is death. This isn't just that, hey, we're all a bunch of sinners. It's, The wage of sin is death, and it's not just physical death, where the soul is separated from the body. It's a spiritual death. It's a second death, where we're separated from God forever in hell. Hell is real. Now, I'm pausing here to let that sink in. Because we are all sinners. And one day we will stand before God who in righteous judgment will condemn people for their sins unless those sins have been, have been atoned for, been paid for. Well, we can't pay for them. You just said, John, that we're all sinners and we're hopelessly covered up in sin. So what good news could there be? Well, once we understand the bad news, now we're ready for the good news. Listen to this. This is... I read you from Romans 3 and 6. Here's Romans 5. (coughs) Here's the good news. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right with God, right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. This is the best news ever. The truth is, is that we are a bunch of filthy, rotten sinners. That's the bad news, that we're filthy, rotten sinners who deserve to be sent to hell. The good news is Jesus came and died on the cross for filthy, rotten sinners like you and me paid the penalty that should have been ours so we can have a right relationship with God and spend eternity in heaven. Now this is gospeling. This is what it's all about. The bad news, the good news, there's one more component to it though, and that's this, we must respond. See, each one of us has to embrace this. This isn't just a theoretical concept. God made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with him. I have to want that relationship. I have to say, God, I want you. I know I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. You don't have to convince me of my sin. I need the forgiveness. And God, I want you to guide my life. Paul in Romans again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. If you'd circle the word if at the beginning of that. If. This is the part I play. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Jesus paid the penalty in full. Jesus suffered 
all the punishment should have, punishments that should have been on me. My part is to receive the gift. In the margin, write this one other phrase. God does not have grandchildren. God has children. Anyone who comes to him becomes a child of God. I can't, he doesn't have grandchildren. What do you mean by that? Well, well, you know, I'm not sure I believe all that, but my mom, she was a righteous gal. She read the Bible every day. Well, my grandfather, he was a deacon in a church once, so that's got to count for something. No, that's not what we're talking about, not some kind of religious association here. We're talking about a personal relationship. Your mom had a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Great for mom. Your grandfather had a great personal relationship with God. Great for grandpa. What about you? What about me? Have I made a decision for Jesus? Have I said, Lord, you are my Lord. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Have I made it personal? This is a decision we must all make. In this life, and we are only given these days on this earth to make that choice. So there's a life application for you and me. This week I'm going to speak life to, insert name here, blank, by telling him or her the good news about Jesus. There's somebody, maybe while I was talking here, you probably knew somebody. Came to mind, oh, I'd love it if they could have heard this message. Well, they can hear this message through you, through me. When we gospel to them, that's the point. Now, one more scripture I want to give you out of Romans. It's from Romans 8, because there's an important objection that I want to deal with real quickly. And there are many people who say, even when I talk to them about the gospel and tell them the good news about Christ, they go, John, I hear what you're saying about new life and other things, but you know, I'm just not strong enough to live a new life on my own. I can't do it. Well, you're missing even another whole dimension to the gospel, and that's this. Romans 8, Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Not only do we come to Christ and he pays the penalty for our sins and gives us eternal life, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to change us from inside out so we have abundant life right now. The good news is even better than you thought. He gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do you know someone who's struggling with that? They've said, I can never be good enough. Put their name in the blank. This is good news for them too. People trapped, feel like they're trapped in addictions. There's no power to ever change. There's power in the name of Jesus. Power through the Holy Spirit. Come to Christ. Maybe your name needs to go in that blank. If so, we'll give you a chance to respond here in a minute. So gospeling, first of all, means reminding others and sharing the good news about Christ and how he makes it possible for us to have a right relationship with God. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Point B, gospeling also means intentionally looking for opportunities to share the good news about Jesus. It's being intentional about this. If I'm going to gospel enough, if I'm going to share the gospel enough that it becomes a part of speech, that means I'm intentionally thinking about this. Three important dimensions of that. First of all, I need to find common ground. 
I mean, if I work with people, I go, I don't know if they know the faith. How would I ever, how would I ever feel comfortable enough to talk about where they stand on issues like this? I mean, that'd be awkward just going up to a stranger. Well, that's the idea of finding common ground. Paul did this. He said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. What do you mean by finding common ground? Well, there's a person that I work with in my office. They always seem sad. Every time I hear them talking, they feel weighed down. This other person I know, they can't ever get past their past. They're always dredging it up. How would I ever have a conversation with them? Well, start a relationship with them by finding common ground. Well, like what? Well, find out things you do in common. Well, like what? Well, I eat and they eat. How about we eat together? Well, how would that work? Come over to my house and eat food, okay? Come over for dinner so we can get to know you. We'd like to get to know you, our neighbors, your coworker. Invite them to go grab coffee. It's common ground. Maybe somebody you talk to you discover they have a set of golf clubs in the back of their car. You like golf. Go play a round of golf. And don't swear the whole time, but that's another thing. Okay, anyway. Finding, <laughs> yeah, finding common ground. Secondly, always being ready. See, if I'm going to be gospeling, instructing people in good news enough that it becomes a part of speech, well, that means I'm ready all the time. Peter talked about this. He said, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. I mean, any parent will tell you this is the way it happens with your kids. Some of the best moments when they ask all the right questions are when you're completely not ready for it. Got a kid that's just entering, you know, fifth grade or something like this, and they're going, Dad, can we talk about where babies come from? You know, they're driving. Wait, your mom's not here. I don't know if I'm ready. Well, I got to be ready for that moment as a parent. I got to be ready. If I am praying that I can share the good news, that's when friends will come up and talk to you. That's when a neighbor will come up and go, hey, can I ask you a question? My goodness, what if we're ready all the time? Thirdly, speaking graciously. Now, this is important. And this goes back to the guy in the elevator again. If I'm speaking graciously, I'm opening doors all the time. People think, hey, it's safe to go talk to that guy. He's not mean or rude. Pray for us too, Paul said. God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Do you notice what happened in that paragraph? Paul started out saying, hey, pray for me. Paul is the trained professional. Oh, and by the way, you do this too. I mean, many times we talk about sharing the gospel. People aren't surprised if I do. Well, yeah, John does that. I mean, that's what he's supposed to do. That's his job. Well, yeah, as a pastor, it's part of my responsibilities. But the lion's share of what I do as a pastor is encourage all of us to do this. I mean, you understand, there are people I will, that will never come to a center point worship service, may never come here, but you'll meet them. They could be extended family that live in another state. They could be a friend that you work with 
that I will never have the opportunity to talk to them. But you do. You do. And so that's why it's important. And Paul says, hey, pray for me that I'll have boldness. But you be courteous too. Let your speech be gracious and attractive. Well, what do you mean, John? Well, when, let's just pick a hypothetical situation. Let's say there was a state where there were two different football teams where they didn't get along, and you were really obnoxious to everybody whenever your team won. I mean, let's just say hypothetically there was such a place like that. <laughs> well, hypothetically, if I'm a really obnoxious fan, then maybe I've closed some doors. Does, so you're saying I can't cheer from a team? Yeah, I can. Just don't rub other people's faces in it. There's a difference. And I think we know that. But what's the point here? The point here is gospeling. More important to me than any championship would ever be, more important than anything in this world, is a personal relationship with Christ that's going to go on forever and ever and ever. gospeling there's a third dimension to gospeling and gospeling means reminding other believers of our new identity in Christ and we need to do this too because there's a big chunk of the New Testament that's devoted to this hey let me remind you let me remind you let me remind you and those of us who've been Christians for a while we can forget when life gets hard who we are in Christ and the reason we don't tell others about the gospel is we're not experiencing much of that in our lives. We're not experiencing a new life. And who wants to give away something you don't have? So I, want, I just want you to listen to a few verses. This isn't all the verses between Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, but it's most of them. And I've highlighted a number of phrases, and you'll see that in your outline. But I just want you to listen to it as I read through, and then I'll explain why I highlighted all that. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered us, he showered his kindness on us with all wisdom and understanding. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he'll give us the inheritance he promised and that he's purchased us to be his own people. Now, I'm going to skip over that life application blank there, but I just want to go down to the paragraph below that. This is a little paragraph that, that is written from all the phrases I just highlighted in those verses. But I put a first-person uh, twist on it where it's like this is a statement that I could say about myself. Listen to it again. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been chosen by God, adopted into his family, accepted and loved unconditionally. Jesus has purchased my freedom, forgiven all my sins, and made me holy and without fault. I've been showered with grace and kindness, wisdom and understanding, and I've received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that I will spend eternity with God in heaven. For, all of those, for those of us who are believers, this is, 
This is what Paul says. This is true of each one of us. Well, why are you telling me this, John? Well, here's why it matters. Because if I don't believe that I'm actually forgiven and accepted, I'm going to constantly focus on my faults, failures, and sins of the past, waiting for God to get even with me. If I don't believe that I'm covered by grace, I'm going to attempt to earn God's love by doing more for him. I'm going to wear myself out. And if I don't really believe that I've been adopted into God's family, I'm going to live like a spiritual orphan, providing for myself, attempting to live the Christian life on my own strength. I will always be anxious, fearful, and constantly comparing myself to others. Now think about this. And this is the way we can live, and the devil would love to convince us of all these things. You're not really forgiven and accepted. You are not really covered by grace. You're not really adopted into God's family. And so then we try to share the gospel and be gospeling with others. What? Hey, come join me on Sundays. You can be around a group of people that are constantly waiting for God to punish them. You can be around a group of people who feel like they have to earn God's love and they're worn out. You can be around a group of people who are constantly comparing themselves and are fearful and anxious. Don't you want to be fearful, anxious, competitive, and waiting for the other shoe to drop? Doesn't that sound great? Come join me at 11. Who wants that? Nobody. And that's not the gospel. In fact, inside your bulletin, there's also a little card, if you would take this card out. It's just that paragraph that I wrote. My desire behind this is, is you will take this card and a piece of scotch tape and tape it to a mirror where you shave or get dressed in the morning. Maybe tape it to the dashboard when you're sitting at a red light. Every single day this week, you would remind yourself of this at least once a day. Because part of gospeling is reminding believers of our identity. So we're going to read this together. This is my gospel identity. According to Ephesians 1, you saw where I got it from. Let's read it out loud together, please. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I have been chosen by God, adopted into his family, accepted and loved unconditionally. Jesus has purchased my freedom, forgiven all of my sins, and made me holy and without fault. I have been showered with grace and kindness, wisdom and understanding, and I have received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that I will spend eternity with God in heaven. This is transformational if we'd actually believe it. Because how on earth am I going to tell people the good news when I don't trust that it's good news myself? I want you to know that this is something that people are need reminding of all the time, so I'm asking Ben Mays to come up here together with Tommy Green. Tommy and Shelly Green lead a connect group. Ben and his wife are involved in this group, and uh, I've asked them to come up because they've been talking in their connect group about gospel identity uh, for the last couple of weeks, and since the beginning of the year, and this is an opportunity for us to spend some time talking about it. I want you to hear what Ben has learned, so Tommy, oh... <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Perfect. We're good now. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. Hey, uh, Ben, so back to what I'm trying to remember what we're talking about here. But anyway, uh, Ben, back to the topic this morning. 
you guys have been talking about gospel identity in your small group there. Tell us what kind of, how has that impacted you? So I guess one of the biggest things from John's message this morning that stood out to me was being adopted into to God's family. And that's one thing that we've been talking about and, and learning in the gospel um, in Connect Group the past few weeks. And uh, one thing that has changed for me is, is my prayer. It's not something that has to be a formality. It's not something that needs to be structured. It's something that you can come to him any time of the day, whether that's just riding home in a truck after work or just wanting to share something with him. It's all about having a relationship with God, and that's one of the things that's changed for me, learning the gospel. Tommy, why did you and Shelly feel like this was so important for your group to focus on at the beginning of the year here? Well, one of the first things we did when we were all getting to know each other the first day is we started talking about um, how we grew up in our relationship with God, and almost every one of us uh, talked about how we, we believe Jesus as our Savior, but we never really felt good enough. And when you never feel good enough for God, and, and it's like we always feel like he's mad at us or we're always disappointing that we always uh, shy away. And, and when you don't feel like someone really loves you and cares for you, the thing you do is you'll, you'll turn into a, a religious form where all I'm going to do is pray at, at, at dinner and at church. And it's not about a relationship. It's about a, a religion. And so we just started talking about the good news. of uh, We spent about four weeks just talking about the gospel. What does it mean that Jesus actually uh, replaced our sins and, and he took on our sins and he gave us his righteousness? He he made us pure and holy before God because God wants that kind of relationship with us. Just Now, Ben, we're talking about this in the context of our whole series here entitled Speaking Life. Do you feel like discussing all this and working through this is in your connect group and here talking about this morning, has this brought life to you? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it really changes your attitude and how you look at all aspects of your life, whether that be your career or your marriage or anything like that. It's just awesome knowing that you have a God that you can approach boldly and ask for anything, and then he'll be there for you if you have faith. Yeah, so Tommy, what happens next? You've been talking about this. Where do you go next? Well, one of the things we we're starting to talk about is that you can't give away anything that you don't own. So if, if you don't have a good understanding of how much God loves you and cares for you, then it's something that you won't express to others. But as it begins to be, and it's, it's what's happening in our group, our, a lot of our Connect group is here this morning, and, and that's what they're starting to find out, is that once you begin to believe it, it overflows, and you can't help but begin to look at for people to share that with. Matter of fact, Ben's actually been in a, a, a group with some guys and they've been reading through Ephesians and that's actually something that God's really hit with you even this week, wasn't it? Yeah, you showed me something on your phone this morning. Yeah. Tell everybody what you were showing me. Yeah, that's right. We have a, a small group that we share, share the gospel or shared Ephesians with. There are certain things that we see that stand out to us. And one thing that I circled was Ephesians 3, 3 7 and sent it out to uh, the small group. And, uh, that, that was one thing that resonated with me, and it's one thing that, that's important that we, sh that we have the privilege to share the gospel with others and the good news, and um, that's one thing that's hard to do, but it's something that's 100% necessary. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a word of prayer for all of us here that have been believers for a long time that we would embrace our gospel identity. Can we start with that first? Let's have a word of prayer. God, I want to thank you that Ben stands up here. As I put my hand on his shoulder, Lord, I want that to represent you putting my hand on, your hand on the shoulder of each one of us. Father, when we come to Christ, we don't come to you just for salvation from hell. We come to you for new life every day. We come to you for power to live life as we should, that you would change the way we think. You'd give us new desires. You would make us godly people. And God, this is what you intend to do. 
And God, you love us. You've adopted us into your family because you chose us, and this brought you great pleasure. Oh God, may this resonate in our souls today. And Father, I pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give Ben a round of applause for coming up?